Hey, welcome to Dafyomi, one week at a time, Masachet Baba Kama. Um, this week is our 16th class, and uh, we're going to be reviewing Daf 105 through 111. Um, Daf 105 tells us that if an item is still there, um, but, right, meaning it was stolen, and uh, we don't know, um, again, if it's still there, um, then you need to return it. Um, but again, it depends on what our case is. Let's say a person stole two bundles that together were worth a pruta. Again, a pruta is the lowest denomination uh, for um, um, something being seen as theft. Um, let's say, right, do we look at it as the theft of a pluta, or do we see it as um, two halves, and therefore it's not seen as theft individually, um, and therefore um, you should return both of them, even one um, after the other, meaning because together they make, they make one item which is worth a pluta. Um, the next case is the case of um, a Nazir. If you remember, we learned in Masachet Nazir about a um, the Nazir having to shave his head. Um, and it says that if he, he has to shave all his hair, let's say he has two hairs left, so you need to shave them, even if he does one at a time. So this shows that even though individually, it wouldn't be considered the, the requisite amount. Together, it is. Um, the same case with a hole that was sealed up in between the two floors, uh, it needs to be less than a tefah. So if you seal up half of it, um, so then um, you've reduced the size and it is a valid seal. Um, let's say a person stole chametz, right, unleavened, um, sorry, leavened bread, right, bread. Um, a person stole it on Pesach or before Pesach. Um, and now after Pesach, can you just return the item? Now, this item is forbidden to have any use with it, right? You can't eat it, you can't do anything with it because it's chametz that existed over Pesach. Again, it wasn't sold to anybody, um, but rather it was stolen. So if he swears falsely about it, does he have to pay a an extra fifth and bring a korban? Meaning, do we see it as something valuable, even though really it doesn't have any value, right? Again, maybe because it doesn't have any value, then not. Um, but again, because the item exists, even though it doesn't have value, it's still seen as a uh, an item, um, and therefore you do need to pay it back, um, and you do need to pay um, the you do need to pay the um, the fifth and bring um, and bring a um, and bring a uh, sacrifice. Um, the Gemara continues and says that if a person swears falsely, 
but only partially. Um, right, so let's say someone says, you stole my cow. And then the other person says, no, 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 I just borrowed it. So you're acknowledging that you have the cow, um, but you're saying, no, I, I got it. You know, you just, you gave it to me, right? Or it just came to my house. Um, so this is, is in essence, he is admitting that he has the cow, but that he didn't steal it. So this person is not liable to pay the fifth and bring the sacrifice. That's only um, that's only if the item is still there. But if the item isn't there, again, you wouldn't have to pay any of it. Um, so let's say there there are basically three oaths, right? One is he could say, "I knew it was lost, but I didn't find it." Or someone can say that they found the object, but they didn't know whose it was, so they couldn't return it or they didn't know anything about the object or who found it. Um, so the question is, are these seen as someone who's liable to pay for, for the item or not? Um, okay, let's say a person uh, received a, what's called in Hebrew, a picadon, right? A collateral, an item they were going to watch. Um, so they, Again, so let's say you um, you have that. They have to watch it till he returns it. Again, only if he makes a false oath, um, or even if he didn't even if he didn't swear about it, um, or he did, but there were um, witnesses. Again, if the person admits to um, either losing or stealing this collateral, this picadon then you need to pay a fifth, um, plus bring the sacrifice, the Korban Asham. Um, okay, um, the, the, suspected, um, the suspected person has the right to swear and then be exempt, right? If a person says, you owe me, right? You, you know, I lent this to you or you stole it. And the person says, no, I didn't. If they take the oath, um, they're exempt for paying. But if the person is suspected to swear falsely, meaning we can't we can't trust um, the person's oath, so then they cannot swear. Um, and um, and um, the Gemara also says that um, in this case, because that person can't swear to be exempt, then the owner can take an oath to say, I swear that that this person, right? I, I this person owes me this item. You can swear and then take the item because again, the suspect isn't um, the suspect isn't believed to take an oath, whereas the the uh, affected party is believed. Um, and therefore that person can take the oath. Um, let's say a person denies an, a loan. Um, it's still valid. That person is still valid to be a witness. Um, again, we're talking about someone who um, is swearing falsely. Um, the Gemara, I, I think, very sensitively is saying, right, if, if you say I owe you $100 and I say no, I don't, um, really, I could be saying, 
I don't have the money. Um, and therefore, it's not really saying that I'm not I'm not trustworthy. Um, it's basically saying I'm trying to buy myself time so that I can pay you back. However, if somebody denied a picadon, again, picadon is a, an item that they're holding as collateral that you know that they have um, and they say that they don't. So then that person is disqualified from being a witness because they're lying. Um, okay, Daf 106 tells us that if Shimon swears that he doesn't owe Ruvain money, um, and then witnesses come and say that um, that he does. Um, the the Gemara tells us that Shimon does not have to pay it back because Ruvain already accepted the oath that he took. Right? He accepted. Okay, fine. You swore you don't owe me money. Okay, fine. Um, because he accepted it. Um, Shimon now acquires the money and therefore does not have to pay Ruvain back if later on we find out that um, Ruvain has, um, that he does owe Ruvain money. Um, if a person swears that he doesn't owe him any money, so again, we said he's exempt from payment because the owner accepted the oath, this is the case only for a loan, but not for a picadon. Again, we're going back and forth between a loan, which is, I don't have the money to pay you back, so I'm going to say I don't have it, uh, or I never borrowed it, versus a picadon. Um, when we're talking about a picadon, so then you know that you left your right your watch your gold bracelet you know you left that with the person so when they say they don't have it that means they lost it stole it something happened to it um so there there you always have to pay it back um another opinion is no even with a picadon um you you might be able to say that if the person accepted the vow um you do not have to pay it back um if a person swore that he lost the picadon, again, he lost that collateral, and then witnesses come and say he actually ate it, right? Let's say it was a, a cow and really he had a huge barbecue and he ate the cow. So then he has to pay back the value of that cow. If he admits that he ate the cow, so then not only does he have to pay it back, but he also has to pay a fifth and bring the korban asham. And that's only if he swore outside of court. Um, if he says that it was stolen and he's lying, so now he has to pay kefal, right? He has to pay double like a thief. Um, if the plaintiff makes him swear, he does need to pay. But if the court imposed the the oath he does not need to pay afterwards um if the person admitted that they stole it um so then he does need to pay even if he swore even if he swore in court if he admits that he lied he does need to pay it back um if he claimed that the picadon that the collateral was stolen so now he needs to pay back the value of that item. But if he says that it was lost, so then he's exempt. 
let's say a person swears, I don't know why you would do this, but he swears five times that he didn't, uh, you know, misappropriate the item, right? He didn't steal it or he didn't lose it. So he needs to pay a fit, right? A homage five times. Every time he swears falsely, he needs to pay um, that money, right? Because he could have admitted in between each time. And the fact that he doesn't admit it means he has to pay. Um, if the custodian claims, again, the custodian is someone who is watching the item. If he claims that the item was stolen and really he stole it, so then, as we said, you have to pay double. If he sold it and killed it, right, or killed it, he has to pay four or five times. So the same thing um, as a regular thief. Um, so to the person who is watching it, if he does the same thing, he also has to pay the same amount. Um, but in all of these cases, he had to have sworn falsely beforehand in order to be liable. Um, but a regular thief does not have to swear falsely in order to be liable to pay to right, the double or the four and the five. Um, Okay, if the court found this person guilty for stealing it, and then he sells it or, right, slaughters it, he only pays double as a thief and not four or five times because he was already um, um, charged with a crime and found guilty of that crime. We don't add to his penalty. Um, if he sells it or slaughters it before the verdict, then he does need to pay four or five times. Um, if a person found an object on the street and then he claims that it was stolen, so now he needs to pay double as if he stole it because he didn't, right? He found it, but then um, because he's not returning the item, it's seen as if he not as if it's seen that he has stolen it. Um, okay, if a person says that the picador that he had was stolen, he's only liable to pay for it if he denies partial and admits partially. Um, and right, he only takes an oath um, if he denies part of it. But if he denies completely, he's believed because he wouldn't be so brazen to deny it in front of the owner. Um, Doth 107 tells us that if he denies it partially, then we make him take an oath because he's thinking, you know what, I'll admit to part of it then I'll have time to get more money and pay him back later. Um, therefore, the Torah makes him swear, um, so he will admit to the whole amount. Um, all of this is about a loan, um, but for a picadon, again, for an item that he um, was, was um, in possession of, he right. He will lie. Um, he will lie completely. Meaning, you'll say, I, "I gave you my watch," and he'll say, "No, you didn't." Um, and in that case, we say that he will. Um, you do take an oath, even if he um, if he lies completely. Here, the Gemara talks about the four custodians, the four watchmen. Um, we're going to see this all over um, Nizikin, right? The person who is 
um, basically doing you a favor, right? Shomer chinam, he's not getting paid for it, right? You say, can you just watch my, I don't know, right? Can you watch my shopping cart? I'm going to get my car. That's a shomer chinam. You're not paying the person. They're just doing you a favor. Then there's shomer sachar, when you pay somebody to watch something of yours. Um, then there's the shoel, somebody who borrows something. And the socher is somebody who rents something. Each one of these people is responsible in a unique sort of way because of the level of responsibility that they have to an item. So these four shomrim need to deny, if they deny part and admit to part, then they take an oath, then they're liable to pay back as we've mentioned before. And this is all learned from um, the biblical verses. Okay, let's say somebody says again, um, I, I have something of yours, but it was stolen from me. You're only liable if he misused it on his own. Um, but if he didn't use it, so then he's exempt from paying back because in essence, um, stealing it needs to involve some sort of action because he already had it in his possession. Um, let's say a Shomer says, oh, no, 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 uh, your cow, you're like, okay, I need my cow back. And he says, oh, it got lost. I'm so sorry. Um, and then he takes an oath to say that it was lost. And then he's like, you know what, really, it was stolen. Um, and then he takes another oath. I swear it was stolen. It was stolen. I don't have it. And then witnesses come and say that he lied. So now he's exempt from paying double, right? We don't see him as a thief, um, maybe because he stole it already in the first case, not in the second statement, but already in the first statement, which was before the second oath. Um, because he stole it before he actually stole it, um, he wouldn't be um, liable. Or the Gemara says, no, the reason is because the owner accepted his first oath. If you remember, we said it before, if the owner accepts the oath, um, then the, the person is exempt from paying anything after that. Um, okay, let's say, again, somebody says that, the, that an item was stolen that they, uh, again, had as a collateral, as picadon, if he used the item, so he does not pay double, or maybe he takes an oath that he didn't use the item, and only then does he not pay double. And then the Gemara says, no, he still doesn't pay um, double in any scenario um, in this case because he had it as a picadon, um, and therefore he, he didn't even though he did misappropriate it, he didn't steal it because it came into his possession in a permissible way. Um, Doth 108 tells us that if a person swore that the item was stolen and then swears that it was lost, right? Last, the case beforehand was that it was lost and then it was stolen. Here he says stolen and then lost. And now, witnesses come and say that he was lying, really he stole it, and then he admits that he lied 
for the second time as well. Um, so now the question is, does he pay a fifth? Is he exempt because he again, he needs this time he does need to pay double because he originally said that it was stolen, but really he stole it. Therefore, he needs to pay double. And if he needs to pay double, maybe he doesn't pay a chomesh, which is a fifth, or because he swore. Um, so now he um, um, now he pays double. Uh, sorry, one second. Ah, because he swore, and now he pays double. He's exempt be, of the paying the fifth. Um, so that's the question in the Gemara. So the Gemara says that when you pay double, when you pay kefel, you don't pay the fifth. Again, paying the fifth is when you swore falsely and then you admit to it. So you pay a fifth plus the korban. This is not um, a regular theft case where you're paying double. Um, so now the Gemara asks, if let's say two people claim it was stolen, and then one swears and then admits, and then one swears and then um, and then eight, um, witnesses come and say that he stole it. So again, one person admitted and one person is um, is testified against. So does that person does one person pay kefel and then the other person? pay a chomesh, a fifth, right? One is going to pay the double and one is going to pay the fifth. Um, and the Gemara says, take who? We don't have an answer to that question. Let's say the person swears, but admits, to, and then they do it again. They swear and then they admit, right? Do they pay a fifth two times? Or again, let's say they swear and then witnesses come, and that happens twice, do they pay, uh, and the Gemara says they pay KFL twice. Um, so now the question is, do they, right, do they pay double, um, right? And the Gemara says they do pay both times. Um, okay, next case is, if an unpaid custodian, right, that's the Shomer Chinam, right, an unpaid custodian swears that the item was stolen, and then he offered to pay for it anyway, right? The person just feels bad, and they say, you know what, I'll just pay for it. Then when the thief is found, meaning he's not the thief, when the thief is found, so then the double payment goes to the owner because he stole the money or maybe it goes to the custodian right because do we say that because the custodian already swore that he didn't do it now the rights are transferred to the owner and the owner gets the money or do we say because the custodian paid for it does he now get the double payment from the thief um, okay, if he says, so again, this is a similar case, he, the unpaid custodian says that it was stolen or lost, and then he pays the value, but now he doesn't swear. Um, the double, the KFL, goes to the custodian because um, he's the one who paid the money. If he swore and didn't pay, 
So then the kefel, the double, goes to the owner because he swore, he put, took himself out of the equation and he didn't pay for it. Um, if a thief admitted to stealing an item to the custodian, to the shomer, but not to the owner. So now what's the case? If the shomer swore truthfully that then the thief is exempt from paying double, right? Because we see that the custodian is truthful. Um, but if the, sh the shomer lied, right? If he be lied, so then, right, he says the animal died. And now really it was stolen. So now the thief admitting to him doesn't exempt him from paying double, right? He's not, the shomer because he lied is now not an extension of the owner um, and he takes himself out of the equation. Okay, let's say again, the shomer, the custodian pays for the stolen item without taking an oath. Then the thief admits to stealing it to the owner. So then the shomer sues the thief right for the money because he wants the money and then the thief denies it and now just to make it more complicated the shomer brings witnesses that shows that the thief is lying so now does the admission to the owner count um or not and again the gemara says teku we don't have an answer to this question um let's say that um, again, the picadon, the collateral, was stolen in an unavoidable way, um, right? The shomer couldn't avoid it, um, or the, the person who had it. And then they find the thief. So the shomer chinam, the unpaid custodian, can swear that it was stolen, um, or he can go and sue the thief for the item, right? He can say, give me that item back. A shomer sachar, right? If someone was being paid to watch the item, he must get the item back. Um, or maybe both of them need to get the item back. It's, it's a machloka. Okay. Next. Um, okay, the next Mishnah um, on Daf 108. Um, let's say um, the owner comes and says, where is my picadon, right? I gave you a gold watch, where is it? And then the, the, the person says, oh, it got lost. And then he takes an oath, I swear it got lost. Then witnesses come and say he's lying. So this person needs to pay back the value, the Karen, the value of the item, um, and that's it. If he admitted on his own that he swore falsely, he also needs to pay a fifth plus bring a Korban Asham. Okay, if he says, so that's if he says it was lost. If he says it was stolen and then swears falsely, and then witnesses come. So then he needs to pay back double because now he um, he stole it. So he has to pay back double. If he admits it, he also, so if he admits it, he pays back just the, not just, but he doesn't pay back double. He pays back the value, the Karen, plus a fifth, a chomish, 
plus the asham. Let's say a person steals from his father and then swears falsely, and then the father dies. So he and now he inherits the money. So he pays the chomet, the fifth, and brings the sacrifice. And then he pays the value of the item or the, uh, the money to the other brothers, right? To the other kids who inherited from the father. So he has to pay that money to his brothers. Um, or if there are no, if he doesn't have any brothers to his uncles, but basically anybody who inherits the father, he needs to pay that money back to him. If he can't pay it back, so then he needs to borrow money and then the lender can take the money that he inherited um, that was his share in the stolen item. Right again, let's say he still steals $100. Um, now the father dies and let's say he inherits, right, $2,000. $100 of that or part of it is from the money that he stole. So he cannot get any benefit from that money. He needs to pay the $100 to the other brothers. Um, let's say a father says to a child, to his son, you cannot have any benefit from me. So in this case, you and we actually did this, I think in Nadarin, um, we, if he says you can't have any benefit from me, the son can inherit him, meaning when he dies, he can inherit him. If he says you can't benefit from me when I die, so now he cannot inherit any money from the father. And if he needs to return the property, again, he can borrow money, and then the lender takes the money from his share because he can't inherit from his father. Okay, DAF 109. Um, tells us um, in the Gemara, um, the Gemara says, even if the money, okay, we started with, ah, the, okay, so we say, even if the money was going to go to Tzedakah, to charity, it still has to be returned. Um, and then the Gemara asks, can't the person forgive the loan? Meaning the father died, the son basically inherits the money and the um, right, the fact that he stole from the father. So now the Gemara says maybe the, the child can now say, oh, I forgive myself. I don't have to pay myself back. The Gemara says, no, you can't forgive the debt to yourself, even if, right, he's the heir. He's the heir to the estate. Um, he cannot forgive the loan. Um, however, the Gemara says this is actually a machloket. Some say he can forgive it. Right, so let's, and it brings the case of if a person steals from a convert and then the convert dies and doesn't have any heirs. Um, so then you give the money to a Kohen, to a priest. Okay, or um, maybe the case is that let's say he didn't really die um, and then the the convert turns um, the money that he owes that he stole from him into a loan, and then he died. So then you have to pay it back. Um, again, here's the question: um, It's a machloket if you can forgive the return of a stolen item. 
or no, you always have to return that item. Okay, um, another question is, there's some look at if you can forgive um, something to others, right? Can I forgive the or maybe only to yourself? Or maybe you can only forgive others, but you cannot forgive yourself. Forgive here, sorry, just to remind us, forgive means say you don't owe me any money. We're not talking about forgiveness, we're talking about forgiving a loan, saying that the person does not have to pay the loan back. Let's say a person stole, um, again, we said that if a person stole from a convert and then he dies, leaving no, he doesn't leave any um, anyone to inherit him. Right again, a Jew or a person who's born Jewish will always have a distant relative because even if they don't have children or they don't have brothers, um, right, they have uncles or cousins, right, there's always somebody. But a convert doesn't have any of those familial relations, right? He, he would have uh, a spouse, right, uh, children, but other than that, they don't have cousins and things like that. Um, and therefore, um, if that convert dies without any heirs, um, so then um, you pay, you give the money to a Kohen. Um, this is based on the verse that God acquires the item and gives it to the priest. Um, the Gemara asks, what about a female convert? Is it the same law? Um, the question is only because, um, not that we would think it would be different, but um, the, the verse says, ish. Right, a man. So the Gemara is asking, did when you said ish, did you really mean just ish? Or were you, you using the word more generally, meaning any convert, you're going to give the money to the Kohen? So um, we say it is the same law, um, the same thing. You look for relatives, and if you don't have any relatives, you give it to the Kohen. Um, which Kohen do you give it to? Um, you give it to the Kohen who is on duty in the temple when the person brings the sacrifice. So when they bring the sacrifice, they also um, bring the money or the item, and that goes to the Kohen. Let's say the thief is a Kohen. Can he just keep it? Um, so the Gemara says, no, you can't just keep the item because you're a Kohen. Um, you need to give it to the Kohen that's on duty in the Beit HaMikdash, in the temple. Um, you cannot keep it. However, what's interesting is that in general, if a Kohen, a priest, goes to the temple to bring a sacrifice, and let's say it's not his, um, it's not his shift, he can go and do the sacrifice himself, and he gets to keep uh, whatever the, the priests would be keeping from this sacrifice, whether it's the hide or the meat, um, he actually can keep it. Um, but with a theft, we say, no, that belongs to all the Kohanim that are on duty, um, and it gets split um, to all the Kohanim that are on duty that, uh, that, uh, in that time. Um, and we just said um, that the Kohen, again, the Kohen who comes at, to sacrifice their own um, sacrifice, they can keep all the meat. 
um, and the hide, even if it's not his shift. Um, Daf 110 teaches us that if the, the priest is old or sick, he can appoint someone else to do it for him, um, but um, they get to eat the meat. He does not get to eat the meat because, because he didn't do the sacrifice. He doesn't partake in the meat. Um, but if the Kohen is impure and needs to bring a communal sacrifice, um, and let's say all the priests that are on duty are either impure or they're blemished and they cannot do the sacrifice. So then the impure person does the service and then the blemished one eats it because the blemished one is not allowed to do the service, but they are allowed to eat the sanctified meat, whereas the impure um, Kohen is not allowed to eat the sanctified meat. Um, Okay, the next Mishnah on Daf 110 teaches us that if you steal from a convert, again, we saw this already, but here's the Mishnah, that if you steal from a convert and swear falsely, and then he dies, so then you pay the, um, the principal value plus a fifth to the priest, and you bring um, the sacrifice, the korban asham. If the robber dies, so then the money goes to his heirs, um, right? So again, if he gives it to the Kohen for atonement, he, normally he would give it to the Kohen for atonement, but now that he's dead, there's no atonement, and therefore the heirs of the, the thief get to keep the item or the money because he doesn't need atonement anymore, he died already. And the um, the sacrifice, the asham, goes to pasture till it gets a blemish, and then it's sold, and the money is donated to the temple. Okay, um, right, because you cannot sacrifice the animal because the owner is not around anymore. So because he died, um, you cannot sacrifice that animal anymore. Um, if he gives the money to the priest, um, and then um, the person dies without giving the sacrifice. So then again, uh, so now here the heirs cannot ask for the money back. Once you give it to the Kohen, it's the Kohen's, that's it. Um, if he gave the money to, uh, so now we're going to talk about the different um, shifts. Right, we know that every week was another shift of Kohanim. They switched on Shabbat, meaning uh, they didn't travel on Shabbat, but the the new the new shift came in on Shabbat, and the old shift ended on Shabbat. Um, so let's say again, there's two parts of atonement. One is paying back the money, and one is bringing the sacrifice. Let's say he gave the money to the first shift of priests. And then he brought the sacrifice to the second shift, right? Like the next week. So the Gemara says this is still valid. That works. But if you did it the opposite, you gave the korban first and then the money. Um, if the korban, if they didn't sacrifice the animal yet, and it's still around when he returns the money, 
So then it's valid, right? It has to still be around. But if it, if the animal was already sacrificed, it is not valid. Um, and he would have to bring another animal. Um, but it's important to realize that the Chomesh, the fifth, um, isn't uh, essential to atonement, and therefore that could be paid later or before, that doesn't matter. Okay, that was all the Mishnah. So now the Gemara teaches us that um, the money must be given to the priest during the day, not at night, because again, the, the regular working hours of the temple are during the day, and it needs to be paid in full, and this is all based on a verse. Um, a person must pay enough money so that each Kohen on duty gets at least a pruta. Again, pruta being our lowest denomination. Um, if it's less, so then he needs to add from his own money to make sure that every Kohen gets at least a pruta. Um, okay, and... Um, we're not sure if maybe he could give it to a smaller shift of Kohanim, maybe the next shift that's coming on duty. Maybe he can say, oh, that only has, uh, you know, 10 people as opposed to 20 people. So I'll give it to them to make sure I don't have to pay any money. Um, Kohanim are not allowed to exchange their portion of um, this, right, what they're getting here um, for another one, right? Like, I'll give you my share of this, so next time you give me your share, right? You're not allowed to do that. Um, so now the question is, are the Kohanim seen as heirs, right? Are they inheriting from the convert, or are they just getting a gift? Um, so um, if they're heirs, Again, this back to the case that we started with, if the person stole chametz and now it doesn't have any value because it's after Pesach. Um, so if they're heirs, you can just return it. But if it's seen as a gift, you can't give a gift that doesn't have any value. Um, therefore, you would have to pay extra money. Or even if it is a gift, you can still return it. Um, Okay, um, since we're talking about gifts to the Kohanim, the Gemara actually lists the 24 gifts that were given to, um, to the Kohen. Um, there are 10 gifts that are given in the temple. There are four that are given in Jerusalem and 10 that are given all over um, Eretz Yisrael. Uh, and we see that all of these things are called gifts. So th the Gemara brings this as a proof that um, it's called a gift and not an inheritance. Um, okay, as we said before, it's two parts to the atonement, right? Returning the money and bringing the sacrifice. Um, if, let's say, you only paid half, um, um, ah, if the question is, do you get like, half atonement if you just returned the money and then the person died and couldn't bring the sacrifice. So the, the Gemara says, yes, there is such thing as half atonement. Um, and, um, okay, um, Daf 111, our last Daf for tonight, 
um, the money and the korban need to go to the same shift, even though we saw that that was not necessarily the case, right? If not, right, so here the Gemara says, if it's not going to the same shift of Kohanim, so then the money needs to go to the shift that got the sacrifice, um, right? So basically the shift that got the money has to give it to the shift that got the sacrifice. Or maybe the sacrifice has to go to where the money went. And that that group has to give it to the other uh, family of Kohanim. Um, so here, the, right, the, the Gemara gives a case where you gave the sacrifice to um, Yehoyariv, that's one of the Kohanim family, um, during their shift. And then you gave the money to Yedaya during Yehoyariv's shift, meaning in the same week you gave um, you gave the sacrifice to the shift that was on call, but then you gave the money to the next shift, even though it wasn't their shift yet. Um, and because it wasn't their shift, um, they need to give the money back to the Kohanim that are on duty at that at that time. Um, if right, if the 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 one that's on shift, right, on call, if they already sacrificed the sacrifice before the money was given, so then the thief has to bring another korban, right? It's not enough. Um, if the watch concluded and they didn't ask for the money, right? The, the the other shift didn't ask for the money, then they basically waived their rights to the money. If both shifts finished um, and nobody asked for the other thing, then the money goes to the shift that got the sacrifice. That's the way it needs to go. Um, and again, the verse teaches that the money needs to precede the korban. You cannot get atonement till the money is returned. Um, also, if you stole from Hekdesh, if you stole from the temple, right, this is called Mi'ilah. If you did Mi'ilah, you must return it and bring a sacrifice to get atonement. But the, the fifth, again, is not essential for atonement. Okay, that is the end of the ninth chapter. I think we'll just start um, the next chapter. Um, we're still talking about theft. Um, the Mishnah teaches us that if a person stole something and then feeds his children with it, so it's not around anymore, or maybe he leaves it to them as an inheritance, they don't, they, the children, do not have to pay the original owner. If it has um, a warranty on it, meaning if it's something that's not disappearing, like a house, or land, right? You can't eat a house or land. So then they do have to return it. Um, so the Gemara explains that if the owner didn't despair, right? We learned this before, um, the concept of yeush, yeush means despair. If the owner didn't despair, so then he can collect the money from the robber or from a third party. So this seems to say that um, but that our Mishnah is even after, um, after Yehush, where, um, sorry, so 
Our mission is therefore after Yehush, because he had, he despaired, they do not have to pay him back and they can, I mean, they already ate it. So obviously they can keep their money. So our Mishnah implies that inheritance is like you're buying an item, right? You don't need to pay the money back um, when you, if you find out that it was stolen. Or maybe not, it's not the same thing. Or maybe our Mishnah, what's the reason they don't have to pay it back? It's because they already ate the food. Therefore, they can't return the cow if they already have the barbecue, right? And they don't have to pay because they didn't steal it. Why would you penalize them? They didn't steal the cow. Um, if they still have the cow, um, right? There, it is right for the children to return it if it still exists. But it's interesting, the Gemara says that they need to return it for the honor of their father. Um, but technically they really don't right if it doesn't exist uh, then they do not need to pay the value back um, and of course as we said this is after yeush if the owner did not despair and they're still looking for their cow um then they do need to give back the cow again if the cow is still there it's before the barbecue and the person is walking around where's my cow where's my cow the children do need to return the cow um, okay, so I think we are going to end uh, for this evening, um, and um, next week we're going back to our regular time of Wednesday night, um, wishing everyone a Shabbat Shalom, um, and looking forward to learning with you next week as well.